For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. You are listening to Absent Minded, brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Hello and welcome to Absent Minded, Player of the Month edition. And as you all know, Mon- um, Eyes on the Prize is looking for a new home. We got, we're going to find one, we're sure of that. The podcast will live on, hopefully, because Matt is huge in Hong Kong. Uh, but we hope to get him back on, on the channel. Uh, he's joining us today. Matt, what can you tell us about your success in Hong Kong? Well, I'm, I'm number one in Hong Kong. Um, all my homies in Hong Kong, shout out to y'all. Uh, thanks for listening to me. Um, and uh, we remain number one in Hong Kong. We will remain number one in Hong Kong for as long as everybody's willing to listen to me over there. So, uh, yeah, let's go on swimmingly i mean like we're starting to pull into china there are certain companies that would love to have that access you know and and i'm I'm really happy that that you are bringing that heat into the podcast and those you know more or less 1.2 billion people in china you know that that'd be some advertising money that we can live off for for a good time as as uh, the site needs more coverage as well uh, I'm also joined by super prospect guy Hadi Kalakesh <laughs> of uh, what is it? Game Over Prospect NHL Prospects, right? Locked on NHL Prospects, Dauber yep. Prospects. Uh, obviously, Habs eyes on the prize. Uh, glad to be here, uh, and I'm working on some videos for my personal YouTube channel. I'll be sort of breaking down some uh, 2023 NHL draft prospects, so that'll be coming out soon. Uh, you know, I hope you all heard about what Robert Olson said about Axel Zanin Pelika, mm-hmm. you know, let's draft him. And we'll... Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> Zach Benson. Oh, oh, please, please. Love this there, kid. There, there are a few names. Uh, actually, one of my favorites for the later rounds, Felix Nielsen, Felix Nielsen mm-hmm. uh, just signed a rookie contract with with Rugle uh, after having played 100 minutes in the SHL before his draft. Uh, yep. That's pretty incredible. Uh, slow riser i know you like him as well hadi but we're here we're not here to talk the draft already that's a couple of months away and we're going to start about talking about the player of the month for february or organizational players of month for february um and hadi and matt is here so i'm just going to keep quiet for the next you know 25 minutes because they're going to talk about riley kidney to start off because that is the north american prospect of the month yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He's been tremendous this uh, this past month. I mean, since this trade to get snow at the start of January, he's just been outstanding. He's up to 46 points in 18 games. Just ridiculous numbers right now uh, with the Olympic. He's playing with a sort of rotation of wingers. Um, Olivier Nadeau, Alexis Gendron uh, are a couple of them. Um, he, he spent a bit of time with some other wingers, but those are the main two that I think, you know, he's he's gelled the most with. 
Um, the playmaking is tremendous, but one thing that's really, really improved in his game since the offseason is uh, his ability to cut to the middle. That's something that was a big, big weakness in his game, and it limited a lot of his potential. I saw him as sort of a best-case third-liner because of that main issue, but with work with Adam Nicholas, he's mentioned this himself, um, Adam Nicholas sort of brought that to his attention, that it's really important to cut to the middle and to find ways to get to the inside with the puck instead of just throwing pucks at the front of the net from the periphery. And since then, he's just, I mean, he's come into his own. He's been able to make plays a lot more regularly. And for me, he's gone from a best case third liner to that being his likely outcome as a prospect. Um, and you're just going to build off of that and see how how far up the lineup he can play. I think he tops out as a middle six forward. I don't think there's much progress left in his game, uh, you know, in terms of his technical tools. It's mostly about upping his stamina, making him more sort of pro-ready physically. Uh, but I, I think if you get a second liner, even a French second liner out of Riley Kidney, you're very happy with that. Matt, a second oh, liner, for sure. a third line center. Can you really stand for that? Uh, absolutely. I don't. I don't think there's like, especially when you're talking about second round picks, right? You're you're not like your odds of getting an NHLer at all are not fantastic, right? They're mm-hmm. definitely better than they are in the later rounds, but they're not fantastic. The odds of getting a star are almost astronomical and the odds of getting somebody who's like a really good productive middle six player um, with the versatility that he has, he can play center. He can play wing as well. Uh, (laughs) You don't always get that in the second round. And, you know, Hattie put it a little bit more eloquently than I would, but I go back to what he was doing in Bathurst at the start of the year, right? He was driving the bus for Bathurst and he was doing pretty damn well. But I said this on game over last night, he was driving a busted bus with a bunch of flat tires in Bathurst. Then he gets traded over to get to know, and now he's got wingers, right? Now he's got people that he can play off. Uh, he scored a goal the other uh, the other game where Zach Dean took it in. Zach Dean, uh, a first-round draft pick, actually. He cuts in on the left-hand side and then just drops it off for Kidney. Kidney has a look, and he just absolutely hammers one on net and puts it right in. Um, he's mostly a playmaker, I find. I think mm-hmm. that's where his, his real skill lies, and that's why he needs to have some people around him who can actually play. I think he's going to be super fun to watch next year with the Laval Rocket because they're, you know, making the Habs next year is going to be a bit of a big jump for him. But yep. I think if he goes to the AHL, they're going to be able to give him those, uh, you know, those top six minutes. They're going to be able to give him power play one minutes. He's fantastic on the power play, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. Had a beautiful assist to Tristan Luno the other day where yep. he kind of cut up near the point and then just did a little drop pass. And Luno had all the time in the world to shoot because Kidney made everybody think that he was going to cut into the middle like Hattie talked about. He's yep. been attacking the middle and now there's variety to the way that he's able to generate these chances for himself and for his teammates. And uh, and it's showing in the point production. So he's he's a guy that I've got very high on my prospect list now. Well, I had him pretty high last year. Actually, I think I ranked him number 10 in our top 2525. I might be bumping him up this year based on what he's done. Um, it, it's been really impressive. Uh, it's been kind of a breath of fresh air to see the variety in his attacks now. And I think, again, he's going to be somebody who's absolutely to watch next year in Laval. Uh, it's going to be an exciting time in Laval. They're going to have a number of, of prospects coming up. And I think he's going to be one that's that's really going to push to be maybe that next guy who gets called up if and when the Habs need to call up somebody from the farm. Indeed. And and I like the fact what Hadi says. He's taken one of those weaknesses that he had, turned it into his strength, He's working with the Habs development coach already, yeah. uh, getting better, getting stronger, getting an understanding of what he needs to, to work with, and also showing that he listens and, and adjusts in those situations and areas. It's, it's an incredible thing to have 
for a young player. Yeah, 100%. I think adaptability is one of the most underrated uh, assets uh, in, in a player's sort of profile. And it's something that's mainly mental, and you don't really get a grasp of it until you watch, you know, 10, 15, 20 games of them. Or if you talk to them, you know, you have to have a close relationship with the staff in order to sort of know uh, if a player is adaptable or not. But in, in Kidney's case, it's very evident. The change in his inside play this year and the fact that it coincides with Adam Nicholas joining a team. I mean, Nicholas has a longstanding history of um, improving players inside play. He prones that a lot with his prospects. It goes back to his days with the Chicago Seal with, you know, the likes of Sean Farrell, uh, Matt Coronado. All those guys have this tendency to cut to the inside that they developed once they joined um once they joined the uh the Chicago Steel. So Nicholas has this as a sort of um as a sort of staple of what he expects from his prospects and what he develops in them and it's just very obvious when you watch um Riley Kidney play now compared to last year that this is something that Nicholas worked on him closely. Looking at the European prospect of the month, and I'm sorry to say this, uh, Matt, because you wanted Jordan Dumas, um, a small, skilled player from Quebec. But the, the big size defender from Stockholm, Sweden, uh, Adam Engström, Hadi, again, someone that has taken giant leaps. You had him mm-hmm. very high in the top 25 under 25 this summer. Uh, the rest of us didn't. Um, I rated him because he went to the regular, because mm-hmm. he was more or less unknown. He was labeled one of the most underrated prospects in the Montreal prospect pool. And mm-hmm. I know uh, Chris Abbott, the GM of regular, said if he is underrated or, or, or ranked this low in the Montreal prospect pool, you have a bunch of really good prospects. And now we can see what he meant because... If if he was impressive in the World Juniors, if he's been impressive over the season, February brought him into the real spotlight, really. Yeah, if you include January 31st, uh, he's he's got nine points in the last 10 games uh, in the past month, which is outstanding. Because, um, you know, he's playing in the SHL, which is a league that's already tough to score in um, as a forward. He's a defenseman, and, you know, he's not getting the the, the main minutes on the team in terms of, you know, power play, uh, you know, even strength, that kind of thing. He's averaging about 15, 16 minutes a game. Um, from the blue line, he's still able to produce as he is, but more importantly, he's improved defensively a lot. I feel, um, it's still a work in progress. There's still some issues with his gap control and his, uh, his rush defense, his ability to man his own zone as well, clear the net front. These are things that need to improve and usually do improve with time. That's usually why defensemen tend to bloom a bit later, uh, than forwards, but, um, he's on a he's on an upwards curve regarding that. I feel like he's a lot more uh, proactive when defending. He's identifying threats earlier, um, getting in position earlier, understanding where he fits within the scheme, within the the formation, within the structure. Um, these are things he's learning, uh, you know, in Rugla that you know more insider before him learned uh, in in Rugla as well. These are things that weren't necessarily staples of his game, you know, in Germany uh, or in the AHL in his rookie season with the Grand Rapids Griffins. But when he joined Regla, he became a lot more conscious of the structure, became a lot more understanding of um, defensive positioning and uh, became a lot more proactive in, in stifling threats early. So if they're all things that improved, you know, these are things that improve gradually when you're in, you're in a right entourage. And I feel like Enstrom is in exactly that situation. He's fourth in scoring. For juniors yep. in, in SHL. Yep. He's beaten by 
uh, Leo Carlson at 22 points, Marco Casper at 22 points, Philipp Bistet in, in Linköping at 18. Then they're all forwards. They're all highly drafted prospects or, or being drafted very highly this year with Leo Carlson's case. But Otto Engstrom has 16 in 39 games. That, that's incredible, especially with limited minutes, a limited usage on the second power play unit, something he has earned the hard way this season because mm -hmm. he didn't have any time at all from the beginning. And now he's being used as one of the uh, quarterbacks, really, uh, on the second uh, power play unit. I describe it in the article a little bit as a, he is a lost puppy sometimes in, in the defensive zone. They are still prone to errors. The mm -hmm. really good thing, and, and something we really should encourage is that he's allowed to make these mistakes and still get to play. He's not nailed into the, the uh, boards or, or into the seats after having made one mistake by Cam Abbott. Exactly. Um, I've said it a bunch of times, but experimentation and, and usage are the two main ways that a player improves and, and adds new things to his game. And it's it's definitely the case in Engstrom's uh, you know, situation because he is getting, like you said, the opportunities to make mistakes. And by making these mistakes, he understands not only how they happen, but how to prevent them. Um, and if you're in an organization that doesn't allow you um, the opportunity to to make mistakes so you can learn from them, well, you don't really improve your game in any sort of tangible way because you're not um, you're not facing situations that you're not used to. You're not facing situations you're uncomfortable with, and you're not able to turn your weaknesses into strengths the, the way, for example, Riley Kidney did. Um, but with the right development staff, with the right sort of entourage and the right encouragements, um, you can you can turn these weaknesses into strengths by just consistently facing these situations and then going to the video room and being like, okay, what did I do wrong here? What should I have done? Um, and this comes with experience as well. And we know that, uh, and, I, and I spoke to Autumn just a couple of weeks ago, uh, and he said, I love it here in Engelholm with Rugler. And, and you think he will say something nice about the city. And he goes, they got three ice sheets here. I can practice all day long. And yeah. Cam Abbott has, has told me repeatedly that he's a rinkrat. You need to actually tell him to go home at night. Mm -hmm. uh, otherwise, he'd be there all day long. Um, looking forward, though, we're looking at the main club here. Uh, NHL Player of the Month. A little bit surprisingly, something maybe that we didn't expect, Matt, is Mike Madison. The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki season two. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, Mike Matheson, um, man, I wrote an article not too long ago where I said maybe this guy's playing himself into the deadline conversation. And a lot of people got upset and they're like, what are you talking about? Why would you want to trade him? That's not what I was trying to say with the article. I was trying to say he's playing so well that it would it would not surprise me if other teams were making offers on him because he looks like the best defenseman on the Canadians roster right now. Uh, skate. It's like the win that goal that he scored against Ottawa, where he just, you know, goes into the zone and takes a shot on goal and then goes around Thomas Shabbat like it's nothing and then collects yep. his own rebound and puts it in. 
Uh, his skating is incredible. Uh, I don't think that you get very many defensemen that can skate like that. Um, and I, I really think at this point, for me personally, I, as much as I wrote that article and I thought, you know, they might be getting some interesting offers for him. I would hang on to him. I think you you need to hang on to at least one veteran defenseman that has some experience to kind of mentor some of the young players that you have coming up. The Adam Angstroms, the um, the William Trudeau's, the Arbor Jack guys, the everybody else that they've got right now, the Caden Gooleys, uh, the Jordan Harris's. They've got so many young defensemen. They need to have somebody who's got a little bit of experience to mentor them. And I think he's the guy. Um, you know, the, his skating's fantastic. I don't I don't know what else you could say about him. He's uh, really become uh, one of my favorite players on the team right now to watch and uh I, I think he's he's a guy that could potentially stick around for them and really be kind of their leader on the blue line through the end of the rebuild yeah i'll, I'll say this between david savard and and uh, between david savard and uh and mike matheson the one i'd rather have mentor kaden gooley is matheson for sure um yeah. <laughs> that, that that style i think would benefit i understand that gooley is really strong defensively but it's exactly because of that that i want him to learn from matheson the ins and outs of how and when to get involved in offense how and when to jump into play because he does it he loves to do it and he's already pretty good at it but there's room for improvement and I I think that Mike Matheson already has that sort of down pat. I think that's one of his best assets is, is his understanding of when and how to join offense. And I think if Gooley learns that sort of um, that sort of comprehension of, of offensive flow from Matheson, I think it's a really, really great thing for him. Roll your own yeah, he had a back check against uh, who was it was I think it was Philly, right? They had a busted play at the offensive blue line where Matheson ended up coming back on a back check and <laughs> like he was flying. Yep. I forget who he caught, but he was absolutely flying. Like there is defensive responsibility to him too. And I can't agree more, right? If you really want somebody to mentor Gooley in terms of when to activate and jump into the rush or, or go for a skate, I think that's the guy. Yeah. Uh, as I as someone is gonna say, Roger Runberg said he needs to teach players to play poker, when to fold, when to go all in. And Madison has that in spades, really, doesn't he? 100%. He's so active, but he, he doesn't do it blindly. He doesn't do it mindlessly. There is a purpose to when he does it, how he does it, um, which route he takes. Um, you know, he plays his hand really well when he's when he's scanning the ice. He can sort of identify the right scenario and what to do in it. And I think that's something that all Habs defensemen, especially the Ghoulies, the Harrises, the William Trudeau's can, can learn from. It's something that can absolutely benefit them so i'm i'm definitely for all for the idea of keeping mike matheson as a veteran to sort of mentor these guys as he come up yeah, yeah. and he he catches guys flat-footed too like he did the shabbat where he yep. takes the shot and then shabbat's like getting ready to pivot and he recognizes that he's flat-footed one quick crossover and he's around him like nothing like mm -hmm. the the ability to to see that and you know and also like you mentioned picking his spots right and doing it with a purpose it's you know, it's a huge benefit for the Habs coming from the blue line that you got a player like that. So exciting times, even though the Habs kind of suck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the honorable mention goes to Nick Suzuki, but really, should it be Rafael Harvey Pinard that has uh, kickstarted Nick Suzuki that should have had the award? Mm -hmm. It could be either one of them. I, I would have voted for RHP just because I'm excited. Um, seeing a guy like a seventh round pick like that come up and be productive in the NHL. But I think Suzuki does deserve the honorable mention because, you know, he, he's kind of had a, a shitty situation this year. You know, he starts out that he gets named captain. So an unbelievable high to start the year. You, you're named captain of the most historic franchise in, in the NHL and you're playing on the line with Cole Caulfield. Everything is coming up Nick Suzuki. It's going fantastic. But then 
you start to run into problems, right? They can't figure out who's going to play on the other wing. Kirby Doc's the only guy that works there, but they really need Kirby Doc to be playing center. So they're struggling to figure out who can play on the other side of that wing, but still things are going pretty well. And then all of a sudden, Cole Caulfield, shoulder injury, out for the season. And now Nick Suzuki's just got to deal with a rotating cast of players. He can't have Kirby Doc on his wing, who's the one other player that had been working with him because they absolutely needed Kirby Doc at center. And now Kirby Doc's hurt anyways. So like everything has gone wrong for Nick Suzuki and he's still managed to continue producing, not at the same rate that he was early on in the season, but he's still yeah. producing. So I, I think that's a bit of a silver lining for him and for Habs fans is that, you know, you look at his production, is it, you know, that point per game that he kind of started out with the pace uh, at the beginning of the year? No, but he's still doing pretty darn well. So it's good news. Yeah. I'll say this about Rafael Pinavo. Um, the philosophy behind picking him in the seventh round is so um, I think that it's, it's something that's underlooked, you know, going for the, the, the overagers, you know, late in, in late rounds, I feel like it's so important for, for so many teams to draft a 17, 18 year old that they forget that, you know, if they don't end up going further than the 20 year old already is, then what's the point? You know, you might as well pick the guy who's already gone through that development. Who's already improved. Um, you know, a guy like Rafael Arvipinard, you know, if they pick a 17, 18 year old that becomes, you know, half of what Harvey Pinard is at 20 years old. I mean, I don't think that's worth the investment, but uh, Rafael Harvey Pinard in the seventh round, you jump on that. Obviously, he was overlooked in two drafts. There's questions around yeah. that, but it was mainly the issue of size, right? Like he wasn't the biggest guy, but he plays huge. Um, it, it, it's a really, really smart sort of philosophy behind sort of selecting that kind of guy. I'm really for it. I, I hope to see more overagers get picked um, in the NHL draft. That was uh, that's how they got Simono too, right? Yep. Simono was passed over, uh, I think once or was it twice? Twice, yeah. It's yeah, it's 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 smart to especially when you get those undersized guys. Yeah, they're producing in junior because, like you said, you know, you could pick in the seventh uh, in the seventh round or sixth round. You could pick a seventeen-year-old, eighteen-year-old that maybe is doing pretty well, but maybe they're never going to get to the point where that twenty-year-old is yep. or that nineteen-year-old is, right? Yep. There's there's a few more guys like that that are coming up this year. Like for example, the goaltender Thomas Milich um, mm -hmm. for Seattle. Uh, I, I I've had my eye on him for a while, and I hope the Habs go after him. Like that, like you said, that philosophy is smart. I think you can get some more, not necessarily developed, but more polished players, and you kind of know what they can do. You have a better idea of where they would hypothetically fit in a pro system. So. Hopefully that continues. You, you you have the trend line, really. You see it with Petri Nurmi that has a positive trend line. Might not get it, go all the way, but it's worth doing. Uh, we've seen it with Lucas Vedemo. Uh, Matthias Norlinder was struggling with, with injuries, uh, has come around a little bit in the AHL now. But but you have sort of a trajectory that you can see and, and follow through and understand where players are going if you give them that other year and maybe that's the positive out of, of, of you know hockey for uh, out of covid for hockey when when you start to see that you know you can pick player later and and because you have more data and you can watch mm -hmm. them maybe a few more games over over video and and stuff like that um, I, I like this and, and especially if you pick them in fifth sixth seventh round where 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 it's a little bit of a crapshoot anyway. Yeah, hundred percent. The way I see it is, you make it less of a crapshoot by um, 
you know, picking a, an older player who you can already see the development path and the tra trajectory they've been on for the last two years. It's less of a crapshoot because there's less unpredictability. Mm -hmm. You know, there's less chances of them not developing into what they already are. Uh, you know, if you pick a 17 or 18 year old, it, it's just it it reduces the, the 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 luck factor. Indeed, it does. Looking though, and we're gonna keep it short today. In AHL, Caden Primo started out very strong. Mm -hmm. Um, caved, caved in really or cratered uh, towards the end of the season, uh, end of the month, a little bit like Laval in general, though. Um, what can we say? Is we, we, he's been, I don't know, so with the, with the organization for so long, it feels, but he can we he had that really good playoff, right? Yeah. That really good playoff gave me some hope that maybe he was going to become that you know, number one goaltender of the future. I'm not so sure right now. That's why I mentioned, you know, when we were talking about older prospects, like going after a guy like Thomas Milich in the draft, I think the Habs need to hedge their bets. I don't think that they can necessarily be counting on Caden Primo to become a number one goaltender in the NHL. Now, we know, and you know better than anybody, Pat, they've got other options, right? They've got Jakob Dobish. Uh, they've got Frederick Dichau. Um, there, there's some other guys coming up, but I think they need to hedge their bets and they need to start making some picks because I'm not – personally super confident in Caden Primo as you know a future number one goaltender in the NHL I think he's a little too inconsistent I think he might have the career trajectory of uh say a Samuel Montembeau where maybe he might get to the NHL he might be a career backup he might you know sometimes get thrust into that starter role and be a little bit inconsistent I'm, I'm just not I'm not too sure what to what to make of him honestly yeah, I think he was highly touted coming out of Northeastern because of how good defensively that team was. It kind of masked a lot of the technical issues in this game. Um, I feel like the lack of consistency with with Primo comes from uh, just a lack of athleticism. There's games where he gets straight up tired and... You know, it, it it affects a goalie's game. A goalie needs to be able mm -hmm. to handle 60 minutes on skates on the ice. And, you know, when when you have a strong defensive team in front of you um, in the NCAA where plays are a bit more predictable, where there's a bit less chaos, um, it's a bit more structured than the AHL or the NHL. It's easy to have those sort of um, issues be masked. You know, when you're playing behind guys like Jordan Harris, like uh, Jaden Struble, uh, another defenseman that they had in that roster that are really sound defensively. And, you know, especially in Harris's case, Harris was, you know, he was already the player he is today, like two years ago, three years ago. I mean, th this was a player who reached maturity in terms of his game really early. So he had that support and now he doesn't. And it's just a completely different game, especially with the amount of chaos that's been added um, by playing in the AHL. That's an interesting point. Like I hadn't thought of it that way in terms of him getting tired, but now that now that I think about it, like there's definitely games where you see him towards the end of the game, like kind of not cheating necessarily, but you know, it's just not in the same you know sound positioning that he would need to be in the net. Yeah, right? he's not I'm the not, same. Not... <laughs> he's not the same player at the start and at the end of the game is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's one of the keys, right? Maybe he needs to just bear down and really focus on conditioning and being able to stand in the net for sixty minutes. And then maybe it'll make a difference, right? I, I like. I think the Habs are, are going to work with him. I don't think they're giving up on him, and they're going to send him off or anything like that. But uh, like I said, I, I would hedge my bets and I would try to work with him to see if you can correct some of those issues and maybe get him to a point where he's comfortable in the net for sixty minutes on a regular basis. Agreed. The one way they've hedged their bets already, they got as you mentioned, Dobesh, Dikau, uh, and uh, Verbitic 
or verbatic or, or or how it's pronounced uh <laughs> but but uh, yeah and and they seem to have been going with the goalie at any given point at, at any given draft at one point or another in in the fifth sixth seventh round they pick a goalie uh, usually a big one and see it's a little bit throwing darts on the wall and see if someone sticks yeah, but this is a type of philosophy that leads to a Devin Levi sliding down the rankings. Um, you know, players like that, who, goalies like that, who are extremely solid uh, and and are small, but they're solid because they're small. You know, players who've adapted around their size, goaltenders who've adapted around their size to you know be more athletic, more quick on their skates, more fluid, more agile um, than your average six foot five goaltender. But because they're six foot, six foot one, they don't get drafted. It's just it's 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 not a philosophy that I think really works necessarily for goaltenders. You, you need to put a lot of trust in your goal, goalie development staff and. So far, it hasn't really worked out so well. Um, there hasn't been a single goalie that they drafted since Carey Price, really, that's developed into something potent. So I, I don't know how long they're going to keep doing this. Um, I really hope they start identifying the actual skills behind the player rather than just going for a goalie size because you can't develop any goalie into a, a starter just because they're big. I, I don't think that's how it works. You've been listening no. to Absent-Minded Player of the Month, February You've been listening to Matt Drake of Bottom Six Minutes and Eyes on the Price, and obviously the top podcast in Hong Kong, as we said. Uh, thank Number you for one. joining us, Matt. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. And of course, we're here with Locked On NHL Prospects, Hadi Kalakesh, Hadi Scouting on Twitter, and Hadi Scouting on, on, on YouTube, where we're looking forward to some more videos that you're doing, Hadi. Absolutely. I'm in the, the final stages of my Ethan Goche video, which I'll be putting out very soon. Uh, yes. You can expect that in the next couple of days. Yeah, I've got a lot of good things to say about him. But uh, since his dad follows me on Twitter, I'll be a bit more careful with what I say. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, there you have it. And it's been me, Patrick Bexel, hosting this session. Stay tuned. Stay available. And be sure to follow the new Eyes on the Prize wherever we may go. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.